by moments with more men. Lots of talking, but never ever get boring. Rounding up the humorous stuff in the news. It's time ah. for another episode of... What, what's what? happening? Did Shut you up. Click, did you click the record button? Yes, man. I, it's re- yes, this is happening. It's a crossover episode. Now, question, uh, do I get to be Mariska Hargitay or are you Mariska Hargitay and I'm the guy that was gone for a long time? And then they gave him a newer show. They, yeah, yeah. Which that one thing. am I and which one are you? What's that guy's name? Christopher something? Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I don't want to be other. I'll, I want to be Ice-T. Okay. <laughs> Come on. Can I be his daughter then that looks exactly like you? Did you see that this last week? Yes. I want to oh, transition from the guy who wrote Cop Killer into a respected actor Yeah, for a franchise. Uh, so uh, if you're wondering what's happening, everyone, this is the Cultural Hall. A- and and uh, this week in Mormons. Yeah. And that's what's happening. Everyone, hell is frozen over. <laughs> we are here. Myself, Jeff Openshaw, and, and, and the man of the legend. Uh, Richie T. No myth. No legend. Barely Rich- man. Jeff, barely man. Those are your words. Yeah, I know. Those are not Listen, my words. I'll own every bit of those. Uh, we you... decided a long time ago, and by we decided, I think I pestered Jeff into this episode. I said, we should do an episode together. And he said, absolutely not. I'm not waking up at 8 a.m. the day after Christmas to record yes. an episode uh, with you. Forget it. I'm not interested. The first time you proposed those dates, I assumed you were just trying to antagonize me or troll me. So I was like, no. No, no, no. Give me something respectable, Richie, like 9 p.m. You know, at night on a Sunday. Yeah. That's way better for everyone. Is that more respectable? I don't know. This is this does remind me of the early days of Twin. We used to always record on Sunday nights back when we first started out because that just it was like, I don't know. That's just how it went. But now it's we I rarely ever record on Sundays now. Uh, so I'll tell you what, recording this late and granted your Eastern time for people who don't know Jeff. Jeff is from This Week in Mormons. It's a, a podcast that's been around for a good amount of time. 11 plus years, I want to say. I.e. longer than the cultural hall. Then you, well, yes, we'll get exactly. into that. Certainly. <laughs> so, sometimes. The funny, th- the funny thing is, though, this is both of our 540th episode. Yep. What a weird way this lined up. I don't think we were even thinking directly along those lines when you we were setting this up. You don't give me enough credit. I 100% uh, planned it to be this way. And I I'm not joking. Not. 100%. I, 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 I only realized it like this past week when we were chatting. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, that's cool. That's great. Uh, Jeff lives on the East Coast. He lives in Virginia, D.C. I live in, I live in the Virginia side of the greater Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. Yes, I live. I live among the swamp people. Yes, as a matter of fact. It, now, I've heard it's been drained, right? And then aren't we filling it back up again? Isn't that what's going oh. on? Oh, we yeah. But see, we worked really hard to make sure it did not actually get drained. We, oh. we, those of us who live here were like, look, D.C. is a swamp. It was built upon a swamp, but we're going to keep it swampy. There's yeah. no point fighting nature on this thing, people. You can build a tidal basin all you want. But we're it's, you try to control that that inflow and outflow of the Potomac, but it doesn't matter. We're gonna if make there's not a t-shirt, if there's not a t-shirt for DC that says "Keep it swampy," I indulge, I implore you to please, please make it "Keep it swampy," Washington DC along the bottom. I'd it's buy that t-shirt. If, if this okay, a quick Google search of "Keep it swampy DC," uh, unfortunately, yields on the end of DC Comics and gives mm. me pre videos for the swamp thing. Um, ah, nah, show. okay. Whole lot of swamp thing going on here. Uh, this is not going to be an episode where we talk too much about uh, each, each other's uh, shows or podcasts. In the case of Jeff, uh, we uh, will probably is that normally just... what you do. Do you spend your episodes talking about your own podcast? Is that well, no, 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 no. But like, if you were a that, guest, that's very I... on brand for you. 
Okay. Richie, that'd be great. If, listen, if I were, if you were my guest, I would say, now, Jeff, when, you started This Week in Mormons a long time ago. Tell me what made you want to start uh, doing a podcast. Oh, I guess Richie, I would. I'll, t- I'll tell I you. I'll tell you, exactly, I'll tell you exactly that, because when I ask you what made you want to start your own news podcast, you're just going to say you wanted to copy me. So this, right. this will cut, we'll, we'll cut it all very quickly. So uh, when we did start This Week in Mormons back in January 2010, the idea way back then, the short elevator version of it is there was like, there was either like more or less quote unquote questioning or Exmo type podcasts that right. were still a thing. And then there was stuff produced by the church and the church's digital game was horrible back then. Right. And so there wasn't much else. We wanted to start kind of an everyman show where we could be active guys in the church and still laugh at ourselves, talk about difficult issues as needed. And we framed it around a weekly newscast covering Latter-day Saint news. And there was no Latter-day Saint news podcast of any kind at the time. So that's what we started doing. And it was fun. Um, you kind of came at it from the other side, where I think you were initially starting with guests when you started. Yeah, the in, in fairness, and, I just wanted to meet uh, Peter Breinholt, and he's awesome. when I get, when I got to meet Peter Breinholt six episodes in, I went, "Well, I'm either done, or I guess I'm going to have to change this around a little bit." And yeah, so and then I'm at not, that I'm, point, I'm, I'm still not done. You've interviewed my white whale, and I, I remain <laughs> in the, my Ahabian quest um, to talk to McKay Coppins has yet to bear fruit. And so uh, I can, I, I took now, now let's talk about that for a quick second, because if you yeah. recall right about the time that I, that I did my interview with McKay Coppins, I said to you, Hey, if you'll hang up your hat, I will connect <laughs> you with McKay Coppins and you can be done. You can be put out of your misery. The weight that is producing a show every week, sometimes what you feel like to a vacuum, I'll give you that white whale and then we can end that chapter of your life. It's, and you it's said like a very no. noble way for you to try to get rid of some competition. It's very smart. <laughs> It's, you're you're just you're so I'm, magnanimous. Richie. I'm very giving. I'm very I giving. This is why I bring you here. This is why we're here. This is the good times. So, uh, anyway, man, how how's uh how just how's the stuff in Utah? How how's uh, the old CH doing? Just how's uh, the life? What's it's going on? smoky, and you know we always at the start of our show, uh, twin folks that have never heard an episode of the Cultural Hall, we always spend the first little bit. We call it opening exercise. We just talk about like what's going on in each other's lives. I had the craziest thing happen to me at church today. Yeah, we call that uh, banter. That's oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we we like to label things. You're good at branding. I'm just yeah. like, it's banter. I'm talking to people. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm at church, yeah. and uh, there the woman in our ward, she gets called to the Stake Relief Society presidency, and I'm like, congratulations. Is that what you say? I didn't really know. It's either condolences or congratulations. And she said, yeah. And I had walked into church a couple minutes late, and she said, did you hear the news? And I said, no, I did not hear the other news, aside from what this is, a woman that I minister to died. So did you like minister to her? Like, were you doing your job or was this one of these things where you said someone on my list who I'm supposed to be ministering to died? No, no, no. Like this is like, I, I, in times in my life have been a good minister and in times in my life it had been a bad minister. As have many of us. Yeah. Yeah. She is the one that I would go and visit. I would take my dog over. She would sneak treats to my dog, and I'd always try and tell her, please don't do that. They they found her dead in her home a couple of days ago. Well, that's unfortunate. I'm sorry yes, to hear that. It, it's tragic. It was someone I really liked. She was great to visit with. We'd sit on her porch. She sort of reminded me of that grandma that like puts the one hand underneath your hand and then puts your hand and then puts the other of their hand on top and just tells you everything is going to be all right. And it actually yeah. is all right. And she died. That's I'm it. I'm sorry, man. 
Sorry, when you were doing that hand on top of hand on top of hand thing, you were making me think of that old church video with that woman who says like, you held the hand that held the hand that held the hand <laughs> of the prophet Joseph. Anyway, yeah, you've never right. seen that, folks. That's you right. can find it on YouTube. I didn't mean, I'm not trying to diminish the very real like pain and, and trouble. Sorry, Maya. I'm a bad person. No, no I think that's 100% spot on, but I've never had that experience before. It's like... Uh, recently one of the the young women that i taught when i taught sunday school to like the 12 and 13 year olds she recently got married i'm just old that's all this is i'm at the point where things in people's lives happen and i've known them for a long time so they happen yeah that's fair that's fair yeah okay what about you have you uh had anyone die on you or get married Nobody, I'm a, my sister, you know, twin listeners know my sister got married a month and a half or so ago, and that was fun. Went to Phoenix, the place no one should live. And thankfully, science corroborated this this week. I, I saw an article that actually said Arizona is the worst place to live in the United States. Is which it is a heat? big deal. If you're beating like Mississippi and Louisiana, that says something. You are, it's the heat, it's the pollution, it's the poor investment in public services, it's the whole thing. Pollution is bad in Arizona? Why would it not be? It's just a big valley of 5 million people and no trees to absorb anything. <laughs> yeah, I so. guess I hadn't considered that part of it. But, you know, when I think of bad pollution spots, I think of like Los Angeles and yeah, yeah, the course. entire country of China and, you know. Yeah. yeah. And the Salt Lake Valley during yeah, the winter. Yeah, Cache Valley like too in the wintertime. Sure. Is Cache Valley that bad during the winter? It, does, pretty bad. Does Utah Valley also get inverted or do they get scared? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, man. But inverted uh, socially. It's a weird thing. It's, it's not just pollution. Type. It's a different inversion. Yeah. All the swigging and the so delicious thing. <laughs> I... Yeah. As a non-Utah folks, for cultural hall listeners, uh, who I, I went to BYU, that's basically it for my Utah experience. I mean, we go back and visit here and there. I don't have really many family out there or anything. So Utah is a peculiar place to me. And I enjoy talking to, with people like Richie who are there in the thick of it, you know, really mm-hmm. in the mix of Latter-day Saint action. I mean, th- very, like I just said, so delicious swig. I mean, it's like, I love our culture as Latter-day Saints because we don't, if we don't drink alcohol, we always find substitutes. And the very fact that you can go to a place where it's like, here is soda. With extra sugar added to it and a sugar cookie, if you want, on top of that, mm-hmm. let that be your your snack. I mean, you could just eat some almonds, but instead right. that is your snack. And it's like only in Utah and other Mormony places, you know, like Mesa and whatever, Idaho Falls or something. But you know what I mean? The Mormon corridor is just a just a fascinating place. And sometimes I wonder if I could live there for fun so Richie and I could hang out and yep. do fun things together. I think we would be friends, truthfully. Richie, I don't know how to tell this to our listeners, but I think maybe we are friends. Yeah. Well, this is the yeah. first time that we've talked directly to each other. Uh, well, vote- well, at least one on one. There was a time when the, when uh, leading saints did some kind of roundtable thing, right? And when we both signed on and saw one another, we're there. We almost, yeah. almost like torpedoed the whole event because we were yeah. just like yelling at one. Yeah. Who's that guy? <laughs> boo, boo. We were very mature. Kurt, Kurt Frank comes in there trying to like convene a great discussion on leadership, and we're like, "Oh my gosh, who's this guy? What's yeah. this about?" Yeah, yeah. So if could I'm ever be- bishop, that's how it's going to, I'll be a terrible bishop. That's what, that's what I've learned. Could this be more inside though? We're just talking about like, oh, our friend Kurt Frankum on, uh, you know, the times that we've hung out and all this stuff. Oh Kurt- yeah. Yeah. We're just going to keep name dropping all the yeah, time. Peter sure. Brian Holt, yeah. you, you yeah. work with Lisa Valentine Clark, yeah. you know, Heard of her. all of Latter-day Saintdom did once I was engaged interviews last yeah. week, which yes. was a crack up for me. Yeah. Uh, that's just yeah, even even Kurt. Speaking of, I noticed even Kurt tried to shoehorn yeah, that, out once that made I was me laugh. engaged. I was like, <laughs> I, know, I was like, dude, even you couldn't resist this one, huh? <laughs> you played a bishop in the movies, and you were a bishop in real life. What was the commonality? No, no, uh, no heat, Kurt. Uh, Kurt and I are uh, going to be roommates in a week. 
Oh yeah, that thing that thing's happening. I forgot yeah, about that. That podcast uh, conference. Kurt said, "Hey, can I come st- stay in your room?" And I was like, "You you know how we sort of do this within the culture?" And I do this very same thing too. So this is me not calling out Kurt, but you know how we do that thing where we're like, "I could save a buck if I live uncomfortably for a few days." Yeah, that's what that's Kurt fair. and I will be doing. We'll be fifty percenting our hotel room. Well, I tell you what, the Gaylord International Nashville is no slouch of a hotel. It's not. It's going to cost you a pretty penny, my friend. You got. Sure. You got to. You got to. Yeah. You got to sublet that thing. Yeah. Well, half of a pretty penny now. That's that's what I'm talking about, man. It's yeah. Good times. Uh, and then uh, I was going to go back to oh the 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 Utah thing, right? So you're talking about like the sugary things and all that stuff. So it's interesting. Your wife is a member of the church. Mine is not. Yeah. And so she yeah. calls that kind of crap out all the time. She's like, you know. I get that everybody wants to be healthy and I'm not, and I'm not giving anyone a hard time, but do we really think that a 64 ounce soda, a pink frosting cookie is going to be better for an individual than a half a cup of coffee in the morning? And you just kind of go, uh, I mean, well, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Word of wisdom. It- Richie, let's make a pact right now. If either one of us, for some horrible reasons, ever called as a bishop. We will go out of our way to vigilantly enforce the proactive tenets of the word of wisdom. Yes. And we will be like, no, you can't have your temple recommend. I see you chugging jolt cola all day long. Get a grip. Eat some grains. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you had jolt cola as a kid? Oh, yeah. When I was a teenager, we thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, it was, yeah. And then when they came out with the double sugar, double caffeine version, yes. which I at least I appreciate the chutzpah and the branding on that. Just like, oh, yeah, we're just, this is version is just worse yeah, in every yeah. way. Dive in. Yeah, and I then remember. for a short time, they made Jolt Cola gum that had caffeine in it. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. Well, I saw a funny thing. We were watching some Olympics um, last night and there was a like and seeing ads for one thing. I don't really subscribe to any TV or anything like that, <laughs> but uh, I, so I rarely see commercials on TV. And one of the commercials or one of the sponsors of the Olympics was some it's it's alcohol water. It's just straight up water with alcohol in it. And that's all Perfect. it's meant to be. All the refreshment of just just plain old water. Nothing else added to it. But the wonderful side effect of a buzz after you're hydrating yourself and I would think the alcohol would also take away some of the hydration given these sort of, you know, you know, moisture sucking components of alcohol in the first sure. place. So I guess that's, I think we've hit rock bottom. Like if you're going to drink, you might as well enjoy yourself. Why would you just do it with what? It's like when you buy just caffeinated water, which is also a thing. I mean, people. It was it hop water. I'm looking up. They have, uh, they have that's different a, kinds of, of. That's a horrible name, but I don't uh, know. Or lemon or perfect. Lim- that's sponsor. one. Or liquid death. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying That's, to see if this shows up as one of um, Oh, here it is. The, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Pura Still. That sounds that sounds about Pura right. Pura Still. Yeah, and it looks like it's a new alcoholic beverage that is simply spiked still water or still is, yeah. Coconut water powder and sodium benzoate to preserve uh, the flavor. I hate to be that guy, but we are I think we're beyond saving at this point. Um I fully expect to see prophets falling dead in Jerusalem any day now. This is this is pretty much. I, I don't want to say that. I welcome it because that sounds horribly blasphemous. But I I take a second coming at this point. Do you? Let me ask you personally. Do you ever like fear the second coming? I mean, no. like, is it something you look forward to genuinely, or are you like do you have trepidation about it? Zero percent fear. My only issue with it is you know how like the the like the thinking around it is. The people who are righteous will know and be ready, and the people who are unrighteous 
will not know and it will surprise them. Well, yeah, sure. I yeah, I just hope I just hope that like I'm not surprised, right? Like I'm not scared, but I hope oh, no, I'm, I'm like one of them. I'm yeah. Of them. Oh no, it's too late. I need oil. Does anyone have oil for my lamps? Anyone? Like I just I just want to be oil in the lamp guy. Yeah, that's fair. I uh, get what, weird about it. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. To be what scares honest. you about it? I don't know. It's just like a scary idea. I don't know. It's just like. I hope to assume I will be among those uh, reserved for the good things. Right. That's the goal. Still, it's kind of scary. It's like the same thing. Like, I'm really like, don't like death. I'm, I'm kind of like afraid of death, even sure. though I have a testimony of like, this is not it. But right. it's still, I just don't, I still, like, I still am afraid of death. Yeah. That's the thing, you know? Now I know what to dress up as for Halloween and come knocking to your door. The Grim Reaper? Yeah. No, just death. Just death in general. Just, just death, death in general. Yeah. All right. Fair I enough. could dress like you and be dead. I'll wear my grandma's sweater. And what else are you wearing? What is that? <laughs> what is that? This is a cardigan, buddy. Yeah. My basement is cold. When you've got humid DC summers and then the AC is raging and I'm in my basement office, I keep an assortment of sweatshirts and things down here, even though it's 90 odd degrees outside because it's just otherwise I'm cold. And this was the one I grabbed just for you, yeah. Richie. I, it looks I was good. not. I was not wearing this prior to this call. Well, and you're apparently wearing some trying to pretend you're a soccer fan. Yeah, I'm not. In fact, it's a Real uh, Salt Lake jersey. Yeah, they're the I, best. I, uh, I yeah, whatever. They're, I mean, they're great. Did Rio Tinto stop sponsoring them? Oh. Uh, I I don't know. Is the stadium still Rio Tinto Stadium? It is. It is. Okay, good. Because Utah needs to celebrate its mining heritage. It's very important. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Mining Absolutely. and industrial banking. It's everything. Uh, but I, so with my old job, with my old day job, they gave us jerseys for free every year. And so that's why I have this Jersey. It is a comfortable shirt. And when I wear it out in public and people go, yeah, did you see the game? I go, what on the, what in the world are they talking about? Remember that I have an RSL Jersey and then I just have to go. Oh yeah. Unreal. Way what to kind go. of job? What job gives you free jersey? Was this when you worked for Radio from Hell? Like, what uh-huh. is? What is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Owned by, owned like, by well, the same guy. One of guy. the perks. One of the perks is you just get free jerseys. Yeah. Owned by, owned by the same guy. Guy who owned the radio station. Owned the soccer team. Oh. Well, that is a perk. Yeah. Man, I'd be like living in Sandy if that were the case. I would just <laughs> never leave. Yeah. Jeez, well. man, that's the life. Uh, now, at which point? Richie, do you, do you pivot into, we, we've done the, whatever this is, the aperitif, the, yeah. the opening exercises. What do you right, call this? Right. So what, are, what are we doing now? What's so, our next So part? at one point I'll take a break and say, all right, we'll come back and do actual articles of news, which I just did. And wow. then we'll say something like, because I have commercials within uh, the show that yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're one of the yeah, things that yeah. distinguishes it from a show to a podcast. Then I come back and I'll say something like, all right, uh, let's do some articles of news. Hit it, Peter. And Peter, who was on Peter Breinholt, who was on the first episode or sixth episode of the Cultural Hall, he has a little riff that he plays. And then we start into the actual articles of news. Yeah, or just, yeah, or this week in Mormons. That's that's what's going on, the week on. I do have to ask, when you started articles of news, mm-hmm. well, how were you surveying the landscape at the time? I'm not necessarily looking to have an ego stroked or anything like that. But were you, did you notice that like basically twim was the only show doing the, a news focused show at the time? Did you say, Oh, one person is doing it. Were you even aware that our show existed no. or were you just like, you were just doing your own thing? Yeah. Just doing, just doing the go. own thing and then found out that you guys were doing it. And then was like, well, well I'm not sure. Well, how long have they been doing it for? Because when, so 
interesting story. I'll go quick. When I first looked to start the cultural hall, I would have actually been first because uh, I looked at it two years before we actually started. Okay, but I wanted I've to heard... call. I wanted to call it the cultural hall. Didn't have the domain available, and you know who did? He who shall not be named, the Voldemort of Mormonism. Uh, he Delano. owned the domain. John Dolan owned the domain. Yeah, so he wouldn't sell it to me. I waited, I waited, I waited. I kept bothering him, and then two years later, he sold it, and then we started doing the show. Do you want to hear a John Dolan story on my end? Assuming yes, you really are talking about John Dolan. Of course. Dillon. Well, you're not supposed to say his name. Um, you, you I don't meant- know what happens in Harry Potter when you say Voldemort's okay. name. I just know it's you're not supposed to say it. Yeah, uh, it's really bad. It's like in the movie Beetlejuice. Just oh. you know, it just shows up. Um, so it's funny you mentioned you you mentioned. Um, that, that you know you had this idea you had this idea years ago but you couldn't act on it right right sometime after we had started the show i i got an email from a certain person that basically said i should dig it up it just, it's like i've had this idea for years to do something like this and i wanted to call it you know this week in mormonism and i probably i can show you the emails i've had this for years i've had this idea and i've wanted to do it for years uh i just wanted to run it by you because that's like really close to your name and i want to know what you think about it i've never heard your show before anyway i it was, it came off to us as like incredibly condescending. Uh-huh. And, um, and the main part was we were just, I think we wrote back, like, I think I was like, well, whatever, I'm just going to ignore this. Al at the time was like, just sent him a note. It was just like, yeah, I'll, he's like, yeah, I'll sue you. End of story. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, uh, because it was just, it was just very condescending. So we were like, that's, that's good. You had the idea. <laughs> but you did not act upon said idea. And that's not to right. knock everyone. Like you had an idea and you just had, you, you know, I get it when you want a domain and you can't get the domain. So that's fine. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we, we acted on the idea and I was like, I'm not going to like, just like give up my show or let you get on my turf just because you thought of something years ago. I've thought of a lot. Of, I've thought of things for 20 years. I've never acted upon. It doesn't mean I'm, right. I have the right to them people. I, I, and I want you to know that the church is still a completely safe space. Even if you uh, have those feelings just so long as you don't <laughs> act on them. Yeah. Uh, I, all right. Is that not all what right. you, I, I got confused. Yeah. Is yeah. That what you? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what it was. That's what uh, we're talking about. <laughs> the top story of the week I knew would be you. And by that, I mean, Washington DC temple. So I will give you the coveted spot of first news story out of the Is this the thing when you do it? Do you actually like make sure you do the show, the the first story because you're like the the prince or something? No, no, no. I don't need to do the first one, but the one that uh, is going to resound the most with either myself or whoever hosts with me, I always will let take the first one. Oh, look, you're so kind. Um, I didn't organize the order of these. I was, I don't know. I'm this, I don't know if this is even my top story, but here we go, everybody. Just because I live in DC, the church finally announced Open house and dedication dates for the Washington D.C. Temple, Temple, which they did last year as well. Uh, I think they did it right before COVID started hitting the fan. Uh, It was around March or something like that. I think I can even find it right here. It was supposed to be rededicated back in. Yeah, no, it was February. Yeah. So literally about two and a half weeks until everything went south. The church had announced the D.C. Temple would return from its lengthy multi-year refurbishment, uh, which was going to be about it was going to be two years and change or so. then COVID happened. They didn't say much about it for a while. Then they finally said, yeah, we're postponing the whole open house and dedication of the temple. They didn't say until when. So it it, it was great last week to learn that they have decided to 
finally do the thing. What's interesting, of course, is how far out it still is. At the time we wrote this last week, we were like 48 weeks away until it would be rededicated. They're, they're going to have the open house in late April of 2022 sure. until early June 2022, and then dedicated on June 19th of 2022. And that that's different from how it's been out here, because I've talked to many of the people involved in the public affairs and the planning for the temple, uh, and they've been told to kind of be at the ready. They were told potentially they'd even just just pull the trigger real quick and do an open house and dedicate it this summer, because it's been mm-hmm. done for years. It's been sitting there. Uh, but I've said this before on on This Week in Mormons, I think the PR slash missionary opportunity is just too great for a, a, just a not, there, no, no temple's like better than another temple, but the DC temple is a famous landmark in the region, regardless of your knowledge sure. of the church. Everyone knows it. It was the first temple basically east of the Rockies that was still in the US. I mean, I think we put in the, our, our article about it on This Week in Mormons. If it weren't for the two temples in Europe at the time, the next closest temple once you left Utah eastward would have been like New Zealand. I mean, it wow. was the only temple in the eastern US by any stretch of the imagination. And so it's, you know, it's a famous building and it hasn't been open to the public since 1974 when it was first dedicated. So we're very excited. They'll have this open house. There's a VIP section. It's a lot. It's unlike many other temple open houses. There'll be two weeks where it's just dignitaries and all kinds of important people. The church wants to capitalize on this. It's kind of a bummer for us that we can't just get in there and like have our temple open again. But I totally, I get it. Like you want to make a splash, you want to get in the news and that apparently outweighs the benefits of allowing us to get back in there and just start like doing work for our kindred dead. And just, we can just go to Philadelphia or Raleigh for the time being. Yeah. There are Um, other places there. Now, are you going to be, are you guys in the uh, wards and stakes there tapped already to be like, Hey, plan to host people, plan to point people towards parking places. Like I would imagine for the membership of the church out there, it's also going to be an ordeal. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the, it'll. We haven't had anything official come down yet, but that'll be happening. I, we're in the Temple District, uh, which is getting smaller uh, as we all the time because the Richmond sure. Temple is going. The Richmond Temple will probably be dedicated only six months after this. By the time this happens, Richmond's going to pull people away. The Pittsburgh Temple District's going to pull people away. The Philadelphia Dis- Temple already pulled away like a third of DC's districts. But uh, we're just up here in Northern Virginia. We'll be part of it, I'm sure. They'll want us to volunteer, do stuff. I don't know what that'll be. Cookies? Uh, do you guys nice do food. cookies? Do you cookies at the temples in the East Coast? I don't know what that means. So when you when you do we temples booties. here, and- we put we put booties on our feet. Sure, they don't sure, give us cookies when- and tell us to walk through the temple eating cookies. No, no, no. But want. here in Utah, when you get out of the temple, they give you a uh, a foam cup of swig and a cookie when you get out of the temple. No, not really on the swig. But I swear to you, they give they it's a big room full of cookies. No, here they just baptize you. Ah, they just take it, take care of it. It's a little bit easy. They've got makeshift fonts set up right outside. (laughs) I don't think that's doctrine, but. And and it's really easy at the DC temple because the baptistry has its own complete entrance on the ground, on the level below. You could be very simple to route people down there and just take care of stuff. Uh, I'm assuming the dedication is so still so far away just because of uber caution around COVID. Like they don't want to announce they're going to do it this fall again. I don't know if Delta variant fears or what have you. But that's my assumption. It's only did, my assumption, but that's my assumption. Did they add a, a baptistry in uh, the DC temple like they did in Salt Lake with the refurbishment? No, no. The, the, it's Salt Lake, it was a novel. It was a real novelty at first when they announced two, two baptistries in the Salt Lake temple. And then if you saw the plans for the Syracuse, Utah temple, that one also has two baptistries in its design, which makes me wonder if, you know, mega markets like Utah might, that might sure. become the norm somewhere like Utah. But as far as we know, they haven't done anything crazy like that crazy but anything anything yeah. notable like that 
in the Washington DC temple and they haven't really reconfigured anything in it. As far as we know, I guess the two years of it was just redoing, I don't know, electrical and HVAC Hmm. and I don't know what else, but they've even the renderings they've released don't look wildly different on the inside from what we're all accustomed to already. So Hmm. fun, fun fact, uh, just throwing it in here. Do you know the tabernacle on uh, temple square? There's a baptistry in the bottom of that. Did you know that? Yeah, I knew that. Wilford Woodruff was baptized there. Well, no, he was baptized before then. Someone was baptized there, but I've yes, we've heard about that. Oh, okay. I know. I didn't I know. know. I, I love know little things. facts. I love little facts like that. I, I that actually like that. Knows. I just said Wilford Woodruff was baptized there. You know, the guy who like oversaw the construction of the tabernacle <laughs> as a church leader. He was also baptized there. He, like, he, you know, he, he wasn't sure. He wanted to make sure once the building that he would commit. Uh, another interesting story. This one coming out of BYU, uh, a non Latter Day Saint coach. Uh, has been hired to head coach the women's cross country team. Uh, her name is Diljeet Taylor, and it's interesting. She is a Sikh, grew up in the Sikh religion, uh, which uh, is, is significant, I think, in and of itself. But people are probably waiting to hear what's her conversion story as she made her way to the <laughs> uh, to the faith. And we do that; we sort of assume that. But she's not. She has not converted. Uh, she is a head coach at BYU who is not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Stop um, it. Stop it. Swear this can't be. In the past, head coaches throughout BYU athletics have often been members of the church. It's been a practice, but not a policy. And uh, and this is just an opportunity where uh, they, they found someone, the best person for the job, offered it, extended it, said, yeah, you bet. Now, I'll tell you what. Uh, some of the things – I work at BYU, day job – uh, some of the things that I see at BYU, like it's not your, it's not your uh, dad's BYU, even Jeff. Like I sat in a thing. My the other, dad didn't even go to college, so that's outstanding. I'm thrilled. I I sat in a meeting on BYU's campus the other day with several people where we had. Uh, it was four different people: an individual who was bisexual, an inv- an individual who was uh, gay, a lesbian, and a transgender person on a panel. And it was part of our workday. It was a an open discussion where we all just sort of sat. We were able to ask questions, how we could be able to to support what it means for them with church standing and and all of these things. And and for a moment, I was like. Is this really happening? Not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. Someone tell the brethren, like, is this really happening? What an inclusive uh, sort of situation this is. I know that, you know, that um, non-members of the church and LGBTQ plus IA are different, certainly, but the inclusive nature of what I'm seeing on BYU's campus it is, is blowing out of the water those old expectations of BYU. Which is awesome. Yes. I mean... That's everything we want. I think it's what I love about this story is in some ways it's like it's great that it's a story, but it's also, I think, a semi like indictment of how we are as a people sometimes that it is a story and that it has to be a story, if that makes sense. Right. Like I'm not I've never I'm not I'm not dissing how important it is that this is happening in the first Mm -hmm. place, but it's like. We shouldn't even care or that this should be a problem, but it's it's great. I'm glad we're embracing pluralism for the first time ever yeah. at the coaching level at BYU. That's that's terrific. Um, uh, and now to to be clear, people may be yelling in their headphones. I'm not sure that it's the first time ever. Probably not. But 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 it is definitely of note. Time in forever. Are you going to do just, it? I'll do, I'll join you. I'll join you if we're doing it. All right. Only if I get to sing the parts of Anna and you can be <laughs> Prince Humperdinck. Oh, 
I'm tired of being Humperdinck. So, uh, speaking of BYU, I'm going to, I'm going to preface this story with one saying, I still barely understand it. And two, it comes from slate. So they barely understand it. Um, (laughs) This is a bizarre little story. This is the, the headline reads is the Brigham Young University Virginity Club for real an investigation. Apparently there's a BYU Virginity Club, which I'm assuming Richie's a member of. Yep, and, well, yes. Um and it's that's that's one thing, but they find the like it's associated with the National Virginity Council. There are other virginity clubs. Is it satirical or not? There have been many questions surrounding this club. It appears to be legit, and they even hunted down the uh, using their their you know journalistic know-how. They hunted down the one who runs the Instagram feed for the uh, the BYU Virginity Club. And this individual who apparently spoke to them with a voice altering device. Really? It's like, it's like that level, man. This is like some straight up to catch a predator kind of stuff. That I mean, I'm sure they filmed it too when he was just a shadow with a fedora on <laughs> and all that, that whole thing. Because he didn't want to be identified. But he says it's real. Then it's just it's just a club to promote abstinence. There's a whole Instagram feed that's just like talking about it's kind of it's like hilarious, like an official and they're partnering with someone named Lay Sonnyregun. I don't know what that means. Sixteen thousand plus followers. Right. Uh already crossed twenty seven thousand. The merchandise is what I'm all about. I don't know if you got to see some of the cool things There's, that they have. Yeah, that's pretty end the virginity stigma. I want that shirt. Say no to Satan's cocktail. That's the one I'm after. Satan's <laughs> cocktail, though, by the way, for people who don't know what Satan's cocktail that is, terrible. <laughs> it's of sex and drugs. And there's a picture of the temple on the front. And it's like, it's like, uh, oh, what the, a bill. I'm just a bill, just a capital bill. What is that? Why can't I think of what that's called? The old schoolhouse rock. It looks like it's drawn <laughs> like schoolhouse rock characters. Yeah. Saying, Say no to Satan's cocktail. Now, now one thing I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be too crass here. There are some posts that made them question like whether it was legit. There is, there is one. We're going to be a little adult here for a second. Oh. It talks about whether there's a loophole for essentially other forms of non-traditional uh, relations. And if that still makes you count as a virgin. Like holding hands? Yep. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> just holding hands. That's the euphemism <laughs> of the day right now. So yeah. uh, I just... They say, they say, it's like the old adage, be moral, hold hands. Yeah. I mean, that's, there's another, there's, there's another prominent form of that. That's an, I don't, this podcast is actually what told me about the other one. That's, uh, I won't say what it is, but if you remember uh, some water guns that were very popular in the nineties that you, that you pumped and shot the super. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, this is like a, a club. Repeat after me. Just because you're a virgin doesn't mean you're a loser. What to do if someone wants to take your V-card? Well, that's generally considered sexual assault. So I think there's some bigger things you need to worry about. Anyway, this is a thing, I guess. And it's kind of real. Slate. The thing is, Slate never got to a definitive answer. You read the whole right. article and they can never exactly say whether it's it's satire or not or what the deal is with it. That part of it, of course, uh, disappoints me. But um, what I haven't seen and what they really need is the modest is hottest T-shirt. I know that's a common phrase that's being said, but I haven't seen that put on a really good T-shirt yet. But all the merchandise, as the article points out, is sold out. So if it is a gimmick, if it is satire, if it is whatever, props to the guy who came up with the thing and sold a bunch of T-shirts and just made, you know, his college tuition for the 
for the rest of his time when he was there. <laughs> Have you heard about True LDS? Have you heard about I, this? I'm afraid I'm going to. What is this? So, so Tell me more. Now let's dial it back a little bit. Let's go to uh, how long you've been married for? Uh, almost nine years. Nine years. So yeah. when you were on the scene, there wasn't like a, a Tinder, right? Or yeah, we well, yeah. and and I've no part of me is. I don't say like I lament this, but my wife and I are fascinated by the tenders, the mutuals, those those sorts of things. Uh, I've hung out with like siblings and other relatives who have used those and find it to be wildly entertaining. But I, yeah, we've. But when you were dating, it wasn't around, correct? Nope, never, yeah, not yeah, a thing yeah. at okay. all. Okay, so I want to dial it back even further. And do you remember the old LDS uh, dating site when like dating sites first came out, Hot Saints? I vaguely remember Hot Saints. I was more of an LDS link-up guy myself. Yeah. <laughs> that was the jam. It was yeah. like Facebook. Just, it was more like a Facebook for Mormons where people still got together and had relations. It was terrific. I once upon a time did radio commercials for LDS Planet. Go to LDSplanet.com. I remember that one. When I was I single and, and trying to get people there. Well, what it is, is uh, True LDS. It began, as I'm learning about this, six years ago. But what the issue is, is it's essentially... Hey, we're not like all the other dating sites. We follow the tenets of our religion because shots fired. Yeah, having you not uh, ex- have experienced this, and I can tell this, I was on Tinder for a week when I got <laughs> divorced and was dating. People were uh-huh. like, "You should try Tinder." And what a train wreck of a dumpster fire on top of 2020, on top of like it was it was the absolute worst thing. But people will especially for for members of the church, they'll say things like this, Jeff. How Mormon are you? And what they're asking is, you know, are you going to hook up? Are you going to sleep with the person? Anything like that. And so True LDS, uh, everyone that's involved with True LDS is a faithful Latter-day Saint, according to their website. How Um, do they, uh, I'm curious how you measure that, though. Like you can yeah. say that, and like you said, how Mormon are you? Like, how do you measure if someone is or is not a faithful Latter Day Saint? What's the what's the barometer there? I mean, as a joke, I've always wondered. Like, do you put in the numbers of your temple recommend, and they cross check them? As a joke, I've said that, but I mean, I guess. Oh, that would be just as good as a vaccine passport. I love these <laughs> ideas. This is uh, great. They they also say that they're the only, only major LDS dating site, independently owned, managed by fellow Latter-day Saints. We therefore have a unique feel for our fellow single brothers and sisters as we at True LDS are or were in the same position. So it's another option. And those so, those those dating sites are a disaster. So I'm all for more options for folks. That is an interesting little caveat though, because it is true a lot of the Latter-day Saint focused dating sites are owned by not necessarily corporate conglomerates, but they're one religious corner of a broader portfolio of sites. So there's there's the exact same one for Judaism, whether you're Orthodox sure. or Reform. Like and, and we easily think that there's just a special thing that was created for members of our faith, but it's really just smart people mm-hmm. who are just splitting up their markets and know what they're doing. Um, can we trust true LDS when they are failing to heed the prophet's admonition to drop LDS and Mormon from everything? Oh, they're doing? good, good I, point. Twim. It should be that's true. Latter-day, point. True Latter-day Saint. Don't trust people with the word Mormon in there. In the yeah, title no, of that's product, true. Everybody, whatever they're um, saying. It's interesting though. Like, I, is it bad that there's a part of me when I see things like this? I, I like, like with mutual, it's like part of me wants to set up a dummy account just to like see how ridiculous the whole thing is. Like sit there with my wife and mess around with it. But I think there's better ways to spend my time. Yeah, right. You, I could. 
Yes, that's got disaster written all over. I it. could watch The Chosen instead. You know, yes. I could watch The Chosen, which I've seen one episode of. You I'm need to see more episodes of it. That's what they tell me. I'll, I'll tell it, you what, that Chosen is not only beautifully cinematically done, but they know exactly what they're doing. When I got stuck in Texas during the Snowmageddon of 2021 yes. earlier this year, there were a bunch of people that were there who had been filming in as extras in Chosen. And what they did is they charged people, people paid money to be on the set as an extra for the second season of Chosen. Oh my goodness. Let's hope these people never get a multi-camera sitcom. They're going to charge people to be in the audience. I mean, that's it's, just... They paid like $400 to be there on a day. I'm not joking. And they got like a t-shirt you. and they got to meet the actor who played Jesus. And they got to meet uh, Dallas. That's his name, right? Dallas, the director. And and they oh, got Dallas to experience as a... Yeah, Dallas Jenkins, I think is his name. The whole experience. But I, I as I sat and listened to this lady who felt like she had gotten away with the greatest heist ever, that it was only $400, I was like, good for you, Chosen. That is awesome. Because it is a great product, but they have no overhead. People, they're paying to be in their movies. What? I don't... Well, I, their their whole model there fascinates me because it's, it's crowdsourced and they're doing more of that, even paying people to be in the show. It's interesting to me because I feel like the chosen the Atlantic ran an article on it a few weeks ago. I mean, it's it's a popular program, not just with members of our faith. It has a viewership. I'm curious w- at which point why are they not trying to are they why are they trying to stay independent and keep crowdsourcing when they could probably just obtain funding in a totally normal way from this from the studio system unless it's just they just really 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 want to stay away from the studio system which I can understand mm-hmm. but I feel like it's it's one thing to crowdsource something to get it off the ground but when it's a proven product I find it interesting that that's still part of the business model like I'd, I'd assume at some point you just move away from that and become funded from typical investors whatever they may be but the you know, people in, are the investors. Interesting that you uh, bring that up. Uh, episode 398 of the Cultural Hall, I actually interviewed the director of it and why he does it. Uh, it was self-promoting and it felt dirty. I won't do that again. Uh, but he actually said the reason why he wants to do that is because he not only was it a way that they could get it off the ground, but he loves that you're able to pay for someone else to be able to see it. So it's like paying it forward, gifting the experience of of watching Christ's life to other people rather than a consumerism, you buy in and take it for yourself. And I, you know, props, it's working. Yeah, I mean, everyone should have to put up money to be able to feel the spirit about Jesus. I think that makes sense. <laughs> I don't think that's what he that. meant. Uh, th- this article, Richie, I'm, I'm fully admitting up front on this next one. I don't understand all the ins and outs. So I'm just going to go with the headline. The church, our church and Utah State University got tied up in an alleged Ponzi scheme and must now pay back millions. I believe up front, the church's only involvement in this per se is that a Ponzi scheme wound up being involved in or an alleged Ponzi scheme. I should be careful there. Uh, what it wound up, the money from that wound up going to the church. So the church is essentially having to like pay that back because it's dirty money that they don't want to be involved in. So I don't know if the church itself was Ponzied per se. Yeah. But um, there was a Ponzi scheme run up by a uh, a fund and where's his name? Galen Rust. Bunch of donations from Utah oh. State University. Yeah. You, apparently, you know who that person is. I don't. Well, it's a it's a huge thing. I don't want to be promoting, but we did a whole episode about this with the oh, guy. Oh, did who, you? Yeah, the oh, guy. Really? Who, I'm sorry. I really don't want to. But it, he did a, an entire hour about why church members are get caught up in affinity fraud. And this was his his case, mm-hmm. this Rust case, 
he talked all about why uh, people find themselves in it and what what exactly a Ponzi scheme is a, is compared to something else that's narrowly adjacent to it. And I can't remember what that thing is called, but I didn't realize yeah. that the millions had gone through the the coffers of the church and then been donated that way. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. Like when we've had author uh, Soraya Wilson on the show to do news here and there, she talked about how one time she was hooked up with an FBI agent to do research for one of her romance novels. And and this guy transferred to Utah thinking it would be like no big deal and found out it's like one of the worst markets to be in as an FBI agent because of affinity fraud primarily. Yeah. Like we're, we just we just just screw one another over all the time because yeah. we trust each other based off nothing more than the fact that we walk into the same foyer right. every week. Right. So um, anyways, the long and short of it is I'll spare you the details of the Ponzi scheme. You can read that at the Salt Lake Tribune if you are a paying subscriber. I know, um, right? Isn't Can we stop for a second? Isn't that the most annoying thing? I love the Trib. I even love Peggy Fletcher Stack. As however, one should. She's an adorable little woman. It's However, it's what a pain when I see the headline and I think, I'm just going to read this real quick. And then it's behind the paywall. And I know everyone will say, yes, of course, just pay the money. It's not that big a deal. But how many of us actually go, yeah, I'm going to pay for that and do it. And how many of us just go, yeah, I guess I, I'll try and find that information somewhere else, which most of the time it isn't. Or then we just let it go by and then we don't find ourselves informed. All right. There, there's one. I'm not going to call this a hack or anything, folks. But a lot of the time, if you get links to the Salt Lake Tribune and if you're using Chrome, just open the link in an incognito window. It won't online. let you do that anymore. It's I'm doing it right now. No. I'm doing it right now, but as we speak, but I also run my own DNS server through a Raspberry Pi that block that stops ads from serving up. So maybe I'm just working. I don't know. But yeah. uh, anyway, the point is there was there was some some frauding, some ponzing, and some donations to the church from said frauding. And the church is like, oh no, 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 no. Uh, so go read it. I don't want to get into the details of this, even though it's an interesting story. And whoever did it put in plenty of work, Courtney Tanner. It's a it's a it's borderline long form. I'd say this is at least yeah, this is at least twelve hundred words, probably. Um, anyway, it's a mess though. Zion's bank has had to pay back money from this guy. The church is trying to pay back money. Goodness gracious! Well, and you know what the a- church wants nothing to do with it, right? They're like, yes, please take that money. We don't need. Yeah, to be they don't want to. They don't want to touch that. A uh, couple of sad stories. I'll take the first one. Uh, the mission president for the Bolivia Cochabamba mission. Uh, he passed away. Died at the age of sixty to complications. With COVID, uh, he'd been serving as a mission president there in Cochabamba, Bolivia, since uh, 2020. Originally, he's from Argentina. Jose Maria Batalla, or Batalla, depending on... I'm truly enjoying your Spanish. This is very Thank good. Thank you. Uh, well, I like to make a lot of emphasis on the ways I mispronounce uh, names. You're, you're as good as President Uchtdorf was back when he used to do it to reading in, in church Bataya. officers. Uh, yeah, uh, it was like a months-long com- uh, complication with COVID-19. Pretty young guy, age of 60. But um, yeah. quote from the church, we express our love and condolences to the Bataya family, along with the missionaries he led in the Bolivia Cochabamba mission. We pray that all will feel the Savior's love as they honor and remember this faithful leader and his devotion to the church. Yeah, sad stuff. Do you know what the word Bataya translates to? No. Battle. Ooh. So his name is Joseph Mary Battle. That I, I've always gotten a kick out of translating, um, you know, um, Latin names into English because sometimes they're interesting when you think but, about it. But people don't do that, like from other countries, like, right? Do we think? Do they think that, or do they think? Oh, his name is Jose I mean, Maria. Everyone having Mata- Maria somewhere in their name is very common in, in Catholic Latin America, but uh, and of course Jose is also very common. Bataya, though, yeah, there you go. Okay. 
It's like Antonio Banderas's name literally means Anthony Flags. He should go by that instead. I, yes, that's what Tony I think Fla- of when I. That's what I think of when I see him. Tony. When Flags. I watch the Mask of Zorro, I'm like, "There's Tony Flags again, everybody, making it happen." Uh, I don't know why I'm being glib because uh, we also had two missionaries passed away this week in a terrible collision in New Mexico. Elder Tyson Gene Haycock and Elder Michael Austin Davis, and a third missionary uh, is in is hospitalized in some uh, difficult condition. Both of them, they were both uh, 20 years old. One was from. Corinne, Utah. I don't, I'm afraid I don't know where Corinne, Utah is. Center, oh, I think. Is it? Somewhere like some like San P Valley kind of center? I'll, I'll find like, it. Give me a second. Somewhere like that. Um, and then uh, Elder Haycock was from Miles City, Montana. They both passed away as a result of injury sustained and a pretty bad accident, it seems. Elder Britton Jeremy Barrett, 18 of Roberts, Idaho, was driving a Toyota Tacoma and he sustained serious injuries, but he is in stable condition in a hospital in Albuquerque. New Mexico. The accident occurred on July 22nd. Uh, I think they might have been on Native American land. It says they were on Indian Service Route 125. And I don't know if that is why the FBI is involved. Some have wondered why the FBI has been investigating as opposed to state right. police. And it might have been because it was on on a reservation and that just that supersedes state authority. So the driver of the other, other vehicle was seriously injured and taken to the hospital. So hearts go out to the uh, families of these two missionaries you can't imagine what it's like one of them was going to come home in a matter of weeks too which is just uh... a a quick clarification corinne is in northern utah uh almost to the idaho border box elder county that's where it is oh it's Uh, up there but it's up there by the other place yeah 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 up by uh you know and then you get on 84 and you go to pocatello ish yeah yeah yeah, i know what you're talking somewhere around there um this you know gregory prince of course we already covered this one on This Week in Mormons weeks ago, Richie. Well, you, you know, you I ahead. haven't done news for a while, so I just want to throw this out because I think that this is cool. And it is. It I, is. I, I think that it's particularly unique. This is the uh, Mormon collection that was donated to the university. Uh, is it UVA University of Virginia? Yeah. Okay. Over there, I just want to make sure. In Charlottesville. Yeah. You'll forgive me. I don't know all my uh, acronyms. That's where Bronco Mendenhall went after he uh, left. I'm BYU. sorry. When he left BYU, he died in my mind. Yeah, he so made his talking, choice. You're talking to someone who doesn't care at all about BYU football, so <laughs> yeah. I can I can face reality about this, Richie, yeah. but it's okay. Uh, he donated a bunch of stuff. Now, here's what's cool. We think of different uh, different universities, different uh, places uh, throughout the country that we would think, oh, naturally, that will be the place that you would have a Mormon studies chair. Well, now, the University of Virginia, with because of all these just – as I can tell, Gregory Prince was just like, guys, I got a lot of stuff and I'm tired of moving it. And I'm thinking about downgrading to a different place and I just don't want to have this stuff with me anymore. Who Classic wants Classic empty nester problems. You, yeah. you know what I'm saying? He's just like, guys, this is just starting to get too much. People will benefit from this. And it's all sorts of cool things. Uh, there's a chair that's been established now at the University of Virginia. And apparently uh, it is the, the place uh, east of the Rockies, as I understand it, to study uh, Mormon studies in the country now. So pretty unique, pretty awesome, fun. Yeah, before before I read the article um, and learned it was Greg, Greg Prince, mate, Greg Prince lives in the D.C. area as well. So it got uh, the UVA is close enough for that because I would have thought it would have been somewhere like Claremont Colleges, for example, which where you, right. can, get a, you can get a Ph.D. in Mormon studies there. Um, but yeah, so good, good for UVA. And if you don't know Greg Prince, he wrote David O. McKay. And the rise of modern Mormonism, which is essentially a must-read book for anyone who cares about anything involving both mid-20th century church history and how it affects us today. Just a oh, now I have to read it if it's a must-read and it involves that, and I haven't. 
Oh, it's an absolute must. So President McKay was a meticulous journaler, and his secretary kept all these things. Basically, she kept notes of everything, and so he got to pour into so much detail, very can and very candid detail about that period in church history when they wrestled with a lot of interesting issues at the time. I mean, like like lifting the priesthood ban. Obviously, this wasn't something they just did as a knee jerk thing in sure. 1978. But I mean, President McKay was like weighing this as far back as the 50s, and it talks about some of the. That's just one portion of it, but it's a fascinating book. And you see like how all the trouble Elder Benson would get into and Elder Lee would get into and all kinds of fun stuff. It's those things don't hurt my faith. They make me happy to see that prophets are humans and, you know, do things like Is that. it on Audible? I'll listen to it. Is it, it might there? be, but I've, I've never checked. I don't know. Okay. All right. To be perfectly honest. So uh, apparently they made like a President Ballard Day in Utah. You gave me this one, Richie, which might be better for you because you're in Utah. But I was like, all right. So so we got Pioneer Day on the twenty the twenty fourth. Happy Pioneer Day, everyone. Mm-hmm. But on the twenty second, President M. Russell Boward, twenty four years ago in July, July twenty second, nineteen ninety seven, stood near the This is the Place monument at the mouth of Emigration Canyon and addressed the media. The event was a wrap-up session for a wagon train reenactment that marked the sesquicentennial, of course, of the pioneers entering the Salt Lake Valley. And I think that's when they wrote the, the, the great song, Faith in Every Footstep. With awesome faith hymn. in every footstep. footstep. I thought for sure we were going to do that. So, on, so 24 years later, Spencer Cox has declared July 23rd, President M. Russell Ballard Day. So, so what I don't That's understand cool. about I, this story, all right? Why, if he did it on the twenty second, twenty two years ago, why then is the twenty third ah, the day? That is because Spencer Cox, as we all know, as we all know, is a rhino, and he is being controlled by the woke establishment. That's everything sure. that's happening, and so. They have to do it a day later because you just you just have to. So I mean, this is cool. It's it's great. I don't know if I kept trying to think of the last time uh, a, a current contemporary leader had any kind of a a day named for him or her. You, you know, it's not hard to get a day named, right? I did not know that. I've never yeah. had the hubris to try. So yeah, I'm, no, uh, it it it's uh, it is not hard to get a day named if you follow like your local representation and then just say, hey, we want to get a day named for this thing. You can absolutely get a day. But I want named. it for me. I don't want it like for some random event. I want Yeah, no, I, no, I, that's what I'm saying. I need to be like, noteworthy enough to get there though. And I don't sure, do much sure. other than support my local Chick-fil-A. I mean, what yeah. else do I have? I mean, you got to be inventive cuz I don't think you don't I don't think you don't have the foundation for it, but we need a spin. If you can spin it, it really isn't that hard. You just get someone that writes it, then people have to ratify it, and then they read it and they do a bunch of whereas statements. Whereas Joff. Yes. Well, I'm I'm hopeful that though Utah will follow through on this every year, and they'll turn Pioneer Day into a whole like multi-day thing. You'll, you got you get the day off for President M. Russell Ballard Day, then you get the day off for Pioneer Day. You should just keep having days off in Utah. I mean, it'd be fun. Well, well, and then just to add this because this is something that a lot of people talked about here. They so the 24th of July was a Saturday this year. So for all intents and purposes, the parade should have been on the Saturday. The yeah. pi, the big rodeo should have been on the Saturday. The big race, the marathon and half marathon, Deseret News, all those things should have taken place on the Saturday because we only change those things when they land on a Sunday. They did them on the Friday and half the people didn't even go to the thing because they're like, it's going to clearly be on the holiday. Nope. 
I've always had a chip on my shoulder about Pioneer Day, primarily because it's a state holiday in Utah. Things mm-hmm. closed down. And when I worked for Deseret Book uh, during when I was working in college in California, we didn't, Pioneer Day was like no special day for us. And I sure. like, genuinely resented that like our colleagues elsewhere would get it. They'd, clo- they'd like close the, they don't think the stores were even open. It was like, they'd close up shop and everything. I'd be like, why can't we close? It's Pioneer Day. Sherry Dew was always forcing us to try to, like, I kid you not, Sherry Dew's a savvy person. But some of the things they have you do at Deseret Book, at least this, you know, 15 odd years ago, was a lot of promotions that were very Utah centric. Like it would be win tickets to see the bees. And I'd be like, dude, Angel Stadium's like right there <laughs> down the road. And I, they're their AAA affiliate. Like, can't you just get us Angels tickets? Because that's what matters for our market. Or or you'd have to put end caps on to try to get Zion's bank accounts, of which there are zero branches in California. <laughs> All kinds of things like that. And we, like, we usually ignore them, but then Salt Lake started cracking down. So when Pioneer Day came up and like all the Utah stores would be closed for the day, but the rest of us would just be open as usual, I'd be like, well, come on, people. You can't have it both ways. Come on, Sherry. Well, come here, on, you know, though, to, to be fair, Jeff... There's no fair here. This is just unfair. You there in Virginia celebrate Yorktown Victory Day. And you know what we don't do here in Utah? We don't celebrate the second. Hang on. What is it? Yeah, we don't get the day off. The second Monday in October. We don't get that. Not like Virginia does. Hey, remember Yorktown? Woo! It's never a day off, though. I am spoiled because working on or around the federal government, we like, I think, take for granted the fact that we always get like Columbus Day and Veterans Day off and everything shuts down and plenty of the country is doing normal things. I'm like, oh no, that's a day off work for me for sure. That's, that's well, then is. rest assured because you don't think that you count on that special holiday of Yorktown Victory Day. You do get that day off for your federal job. I, it also I literally do not. It coincides with Columbus Day. It's the same day. So when we, we don't abolish call it we Columbus Day, you will call it Yorktown Victory Day, and you will continue to get that day off. Well, there's there's my angle, man. I'm going to run for the Virginia Assembly, and I'll be like, here's the deal. We know the tide is turning on Columbus, but we've got to replace it with something, everybody. <laughs> we've all seen Hamilton, right? Yes. Come on. Yes. And then you can, in your sweet way that the Utah legislature did, try and repeat the uh, the opening song from Hamilton with all of the people in the legislature. I'm not sure if you saw that story oh, years geez. ago. Where? <laughs> It was the worst singing of a song. Just terrible. Let's move. Let's move to St. George, shall we? I think I vaguely remember that. If we become best friends, I think St. George, Southern Utah would be where we would probably become best friends. You're aware it's still in Utah though, right? Sure, 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 sure. Because you're going to have to move. You sacrifice, I sacrifice. Jurisdictionally, it's still, let's just go to Mesquite though. Let's just go down the gorge and go to Mesquite. I have have a problem. Uh, a gambling problem. I love bingo in Mesquite. This is not a joke. So I actually could not live there. Okay. We'll live in, um, what's that one little city in Kaylorsville? You know, when you cross into Arizona for a second before the gorge and there's this random town. Yeah. We'll live right there. Okay. Done. Done. Uh, part of Arizona is legit been trying to secede from Arizona for the past 20 years because they're like, if we have a fire, there's no way for anybody to get here because Utah and Nevada don't care about us. Anyways, I get off on irredontism. We don't have to talk about that, though. Anymore. What I was really trying to do is shoehorn in this next story, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. St. George, man. Oh, you wanted to do a segue. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> yep. Uh, St. George, man was arrested after allegedly disrupting a church service this past Sunday. You know, his, he just wanted to come to church and, and worship with the fellow saints, says visitors welcome on the sign out front. Uh, here was the catch. He's nude. 
He's there I, in, his, I, in his birthday suit. I struggle to see the problem here. Uh, he, the St. George News reported that the incident happened around 10 a.m. Uh, when several phone calls, and I wish, do you think that we could get the, uh, is it grandma? Is that is that what we would call the uh, the rights to be able to hear those 911 calls <laughs> where we hear the, the 911 calls of all the people in the chapel there in St. George? Yeah, there's a guy who's naked here. He's uh, he forgot to wear his clothes today, and and not even those clothes either. He's naked here in the church. I just I can't imagine. I was just sitting there in your in your chapel, and just a naked man walks in. Yeah, just straight I, up. And like, does he? And and the questions I have so many questions around this. And this article unfortunately doesn't give us all the details. Uh, but does he just proudly sort of saunter in and sit at the bench? I'm hoping there was a strut of some right? sort. Yeah. Does he go does he go to the front? Is he that, you know, is he the front guy, the front row he dweller? Up to, he goes up to bear his testimony. Yeah. Does he stay at the back row like other people who come in late? Is that, you know, what he does? Uh his name is Jeremy David Miller. He drove his Jeep onto the lawn. This may give us some indication of it. Drove his Jeep onto the lawn, got out of his vehicle, only wearing his underwear, stripped off his underwear, then began removing uh, items from his trunk, scattered them all over the chapel, and then went inside. Best part is Miller, that is Jeremy David Miller, the nude 40-year-old in the chapel, uh, is now serving time uh, for a misdemeanor of lewdness and a third-degree felony of lewdness involving a child, because there were obviously children there, in the purgatory correctional facility that's the name <laughs> that's the name of the uh, correctional facility down there in southern utah uh well richie i guess not all heroes wear capes or anything yeah, yeah. For that matter. in fact most of my heroes wear nothing and speaking of wearing nothing have you ever wanted to be in the tabernacle choir <laughs> those are my favorite and you hear those do you listen to a lot of uh podcasts no not really not here and there Sure. I have to do I, a lot of like writing for work. And so I can't put them on the background because I focus too much. I, I like, yeah. got to Yeah. So, so I consult and work with a lot of people. That's sort of a side gig I do. So yeah, I, listen, I know you, I, do, you, you do a workshop and you're also the best DJ in Utah. Oh, you well, listen to you citing back the ads. Uh, but I'll help people out and, and I'll listen to like what their competition sounds like. And there, there is an art and I have loved how smoothly this has gone uh, so far, Jeff. Because you and I are just able to feed off each other, and we've done this long enough that mm. we can just we can just mm, tell yeah. it's, it seems I, like a sweet I, synergy right I now. Feel, I feel your energy. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I but love it. there are so many people that are so terrible at it, and they'll do those shoehorned cram it in their segues like you just did. Speaking of the door being open, a guitar is the thing I'd like to talk about next. Just like no sort of segue. Can I, can I plug I the best segwayer I'm aware of? It's not a yes. podcast. Though. There's a YouTube channel, a guy named Adam Ragusea. Okay. And uh, he's he has a, it's basically a cooking and food history YouTube channel. Knowledgeable guy. Pretty entertaining. If you're into like Alton Brown from the Food Network, he's like that, but not quite at okay. that super nerdy level. The dude segues to his product placements, you know, that he has during YouTube videos. They often do. He's just a master. Thousand percent master. Can't believe how well he does it. That's all. He just, he'll be talking about something. And next thing you know, somehow it makes sense for the sponsor of the, of the video. That's awesome. He used to he was a journalist though, before he did this. So it makes sense. Well, if you were a journalist before you did this and you've ever wanted to sing in the Tabernacle Choir, Tabernacle Choir has been nice enough to post how to join the choir. They actually had a very active week in terms of videos and other social media content they pushed. 
So they must meet some requirements to audition for the Tabernacle Choir. In case you never knew this, you might know this. You have to be a member of the church in good standing. So Mm. basically, if you have a true LDS account, you're fine. If you're between, uh, you have to be between 25 and 55 years of age by a certain date. And you have to live within 100 miles of Salt Lake City, which is like, yeah, I get it. They have their rehearsals and they do it frequently and you're going to commute to make that happen. Um, That's all they say. Then they say, follow along to learn more about the audition process. So what I love about this is nowhere in here do they say you actually need to be a competent singer. Sure. Uh, for example, have any any skills whatsoever in that place? You just have to kind of live nearby. They I don't if like. I don't. Do they lose a lot of members? I mean, obviously they weren't active during the pandemic. I wonder if they lost a lot of members because they seem to be going out of their way to post recruitment esque content. That they worry not for the Mormon Tabernacle Choir because there's like the choir, or I'm sorry, the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square. Uh, worry not because there's also like the Underlings Choir. And it's essentially like the Tabernacle Choir at yes, Temple that's, Square. That's except, the millennial, the millennial choirs and orchestras. Yes. Well, exactly. uh, no, no, ah. there's, le- there's legitimately, oh, although that does feed into it as well. Many of those millennial choir folks, but there is legitimately within the organization of a church, like the, the triple A league for you baseball fans, uh, yes. the triple A league of the choir, where you have to be in that choir for a certain amount of time before you can actually be in the full fledged choir. Richie, I'm sorry. Do you need to like do an ad break or something? No, no. I just do the one in news. I'm good. Are you sure? Do you need, do you need to do you need to go take an ad break? No, we don't really do that. We believe that we're a public service. But if you want to support our show, go to patreon.com slash this week in Mormons and feel free to join join the team. Just feel free. You can Mostly find that's us. because I am not Richie is better than I am at actually like like selling ad space and I just don't want to put in the time to do it. If I could put in the time to do it, I would and I would just bombard you with ads. So I could sure by all the Xboxes, all of them. What I don't think that people realize, and this is actually a a serious moment, and I want to tell people that if they're TWIM listeners and they haven't done it, uh, gone to patreon.com forward slash This Week in Mormons to go and do it. Because Jeff, you know, I... There, there will always be that contention between he and I as to which one's greater and all that stuff that we do for the showbiz of this whole thing. But it's a crap ton of work. And I, and I know that he doesn't do it because he's like, hey, one day I'm going to retire on the shekels that come from this week in Mormons. But, I, but I'm being serious oh. when I recognize, listen, I've looked at your the, numbers. I know the, that retirement The, the residuals are going to be incredible. Yeah, it's going to be something. But, but he works his butt off and does a, a real great job. And so if you've been listening for a long time, I know you have like a one or a two dollar tier. That's nothing. That's one or two dollars a month, you guys. And it sets it, it forgets it. And then you guys can be able to enjoy in perpetuity, Jeff coming to you every week, bringing interviews and bringing news. Because in the times when no one's responding, when we feel like we're putting this thing out into a vacuum and no one cares, Sometimes the thing that we look at is we go, am I making any money? Is it even worth my while? Maybe I should start doing pottery in the backyard and I'd make more money than this thing. So go to patreon.com forward slash this week in Mormons and, and make a donation if you haven't yet. I know Richie does the same thing. I don't know if I don't know if I'm gonna reciprocate that, but yes, Richie's you don't have to, so, no you don't have support to. just support him. He's fine. He's doing great things. It's Richie has co- a, he, he drives a RAV4 hybrid. That doesn't come cheap. Come How on. did you know I do that? 
You posted a picture of it when you got a car once, and, uh, that, and that that blue is only available on the hybrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a great car. I love it so much. It's a beautiful car. I'm so Thank excited you. for all the success you've had with it. Thank you. That is from weekends away from my wife, DJing weddings and stuff like that. Uh, this week in Mormons, or you can find the Cultural Hall both forward slash at Patreon.com. Uh, Desnat, I wanted the remainder of our stories because we're already posting an hour, and whenever you post like an episode, look look though, whenever you post a. a story or a, an episode over an hour i'm always like come on it's an hour get the thing done in an hour why what could you possibly have to say in more than an hour and of course and i agree with, and i agree with you and i agree yeah. with you but then you come down to it, it's like well i could spend a lot of time trying to edit out one or one of these stories and, and knock it down to 58 minutes or something but i you know I want to hit this one. This is just interesting. Uh, North Ogden City. So this is a Utah story. Uh, he has connections to the hashtag Desnat. Oh, uh, there will be another story about this coming up as oh, well. Oh, but, but but the issue is um, he, he was recently in a forum where questions were being asked of him. And people said, hey, aren't you, uh, aren't you associated? Haven't you posted things with the hashtag Desnat? And these people are you know, far-right extremists in some way, people who have been disparaging of, um, you know, uh, minimalized communities, uh, people who have just been outright unchristian uh, in the social media space. Mm-hmm. What do you have to say about that? And and what I love, and it's especially in the story you're about to share, where where people are like, ah, I'm, I just thought I'm in Deseret National. And I'm, just, you know, it's just a, it's just a way to say I love the church. And it is clearly not a way to say that you love the church. End of sentence, period. Well stated. And as you mentioned, it also came out last week uh, via The Guardian, the British paper, that an an assistant attorney general for the state of Alaska, who was a a Latter-day Saint, is also a prominent desnatter going by, I believe, the uh, Twitter handle of J. Reuben Clark. We had some Um, run-ins with him with the cultural hall. Yeah. So... His name is uh, Matthias Chicote. I, I I hope he's an Italian immigrant. If not, his parents were really dedicated to keeping the naming conventions alive and well. Anyway, apparently he's a big time Desnatter. He's posted all kinds of hard right wing stuff, uh, plenty of uh, bigotrist language, things along those lines. A lot of the things you'd expect from the Desnat crew. It's just, it's sad when you see this. I think it's interesting when people get unmasked in this case. What's funny here is I've, I've seen some people in my circles who actually know this individual personally, like, Oh really? In some ways, legal professionals who have even said like, I've argued cases against this guy, but they don't say, yeah, he's as much of a skis bag as you think he is. They're like, no, he's, he's always been like a thoughtful consummate professional, like a good debater does his job. Well, very nice. Like obviously we're going for different goals, but we respect each other professionally, but then they see this and say, it's weird for me to think that on the side, He's been posting all this other stuff that I've seen under this handle on Twitter, you know, and I think the big lesson in all of this folks is just don't be somebody different <laughs> on. I mean, it's, it's one thing when you amp up a bit, I don't know about your achievement, but when we do the podcast, I'm a little bit of an exaggerated version of myself. Sure. A little bit, a little bit. Sure. But that's one thing, but like, don't just have like a secret presence on Twitter when you're just actually someone just way worse and you're showing who you truly are. I mean, be who you are. If you're a jerkwad, be a jerkwad in real life so that we can try to re- rehabilitate you in real life. Right. But um, it's just, it's so troubling to me, though, that more than anything, I think the we can d- debate a lot of 
positions and things on the church and this and that. But I think some of the guidance and guidelines we get in the church are pretty clear. I mean, we've had enough, we've had plenty of counsel from our brethren in very recent years, as recently as the last conference, as recently, heck, as Elder Oaks, like last week, reminding us that racism and bigotry have zero place for us in the church. I mean, President Hinckley said, you know, any man who abuses his priesthood in that way, basically amen to the priesthood of that man. Mm-hmm. Like this is this, there's not a lot of room for mincing words there. I mean, this is very, pretty clear counsel. So like, where do you get to the place where you're putting on up this public persona, but you're showing who you really are in the Desnat circles and that like never clicks, especially if it's Desnat where you're quote unquote, like protecting the church right. in a way. And it never registers, does it not register that the very things you're doing are running against like your actual leaders? I mean, it's one thing if you're a part of some group, like we talked about the, those, the real Illuminati or whatever a couple of weeks right. ago, this bizarre group whose goals are very hard to decipher. It's one thing if you're saying like, no, the church is straight and it's wrong and we're bringing back the pure faith. But it's another thing if you're just saying like, no, we are here to protect the church. This church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in 2021 with Russell M. Nelson at the at, at the front of it with Jesus at the helm and like not, how do you not process the other part of that? I just don't understand it. And saying that, I fully recognize I have my own sins and weaknesses and things sure. that, I do that are critical and wrong. One of the things that's hardest for me about it is when I don't see any of these people for, for uh facing church discipline at least not that we're aware of like to me having been someone who has experienced church discipline in a formal matter and knowing all right was what i did wrong you bet but was i spewing hatred and bigotry on the internet for literal thousands to consume no i wasn't yet in the particular instance for me, I face church disciplinary council. In their particular instances, they don't. It's There's some of that nuance of things where I'm like, all right, okay. Yeah, I, I, I could get that. I mean, you've had obviously had your own you know singular experiences on that front, but I could totally understand how it seems like sometimes we zero in on certain, right. certain errors when it comes to church discipline and others are just like, oh, but he's a good guy. Yeah. It's like, like well, yeah. Y- yeah, like anytime that they're... Uh, as far as I understand it, you'll correct me, I'm sure. Uh, in, until they're, um, like if someone is involved in a Ponzi scheme, until they're found guilty, their membership isn't taken away from them. Yeah. But the alleged, the involvement of it doesn't drive them to be facing church disciplinary action. They they don't get into that stuff until it is that person was found guilty. And that just boggles my mind. Not that they should be found guilty, obviously, before and then have to be proved in, proven innocent, you know, of their particular thing. But I just find it so fascinating that we don't have those conversations going the same time. And is that because presumably if you were engaging in... Uh... Are you trying to say like if it's alleged apostasy or right. great moral errors, you could be disciplined prior to anything being conf- actually confirmed in you? I mean, I get it. When it's right. a Ponzi scheme, courts are involved, whereas as opposed to if there's like, you know, rampant infidelity or something, that's different. Right. That's, right. That could be what she said. But basically, you're saying the church might act more, I don't know, if not prematurely, but be quicker to make calls about those sorts of things and not wait out the experience before they formally discipline someone. Right. Where, but whereas you have like a 21 year old kid who, you know, touches a boob or something like that. Right. And then it's like, well, 
you know, that next Sunday he goes and talks to the bishop and then six months later he's finding himself being able to take the sacrament again. Like that to me, it just feels like, okay, what are, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. It can be a bit beyond the mark, but I don't know. I'm yeah. It's, it's really easy to, to, you know, Monday morning quarterback bishops as well. Sure. Um, and, uh, because I I think I I often think if a if a youth came and told me that he as much as has felt someone up, mm-hmm. that's it, over clothing whatever. I get so creeped out when you find out about bishops like get it, trying to like pry and you know probe and probe, sure. and probe um, which is the worst verb I could use in that case. But uh, I don't know. I like to think I'd be like, don't do that. Yeah. Just you know, just you know, hey, like sort it out. Don't do that. Move on, right. move on, move along right. and not turn it into a, a thing unless it really is a thing. I don't know. Sure. But what do I know? I'm not a yeah. judge. Well, and the shame around it. And I wasn't trying to, you know, Monday morning quarterback, a, a bishop or anything like that. I just, it it's just a like thing that were. having the experience that it, of being in that, I just kind of, am like, what, what, what? I just find myself asking that sometimes. Uh, We'll go through a lot of the rest of these stories pretty quick. There was a fatal shooting in a church parking lot. This happened here in Utah. A 13-year-old and a 15-year-old in a car together. The 15-year-old boy was fatally shot. uh, I'm sorry. The 13-year-old was fatally shot uh, in a tragic accident. It happened just after 1.45 a.m. The the teens had snuck out of their home uh, to meet outside a Church of Jesus Christ in West Jordan. They sat in a car with a handgun that one of them brought to the scene. The older teen discharged the weapon, striking the victim at least once. Uh, investigators believe that the shooter did not know, in fact, that the gun was loaded. Um, it truly was, they believe, a tragic accident, uh, noting that the 15-year-old was distraught, wanted to help his friend when he called 911, um, and the victim was pronounced dead at the scene. Well, that sucks. Yes, in a big way. It, it, it's There was another story about that on a national uh, scope uh, earlier this week as well, where um, I think the kid was... P- he felt like he was playing a, a video game and, you know, was pointing it at his, at his friend and shot him just like he would in a video game. Oh, and I just, it, people just need to be careful. What you, you mean know? is the, is the Republican party in the mid nineties was right when it was freaking when it was just freaking out about video games, right and left. <laughs> yeah. This make was... it, poli- make it political. So I want to, I, well, I will. To... I mean, I mean, honestly, now that we know Joe Biden and the Democrats are going to take away our guns, everything's going to be fine. Sh- sure. Did they say that? Oh no, they didn't. They didn't say that. I'm going to make Richie very uncomfortable with how often, I, with how I will just so casually veer into political things that I, and you'll never know what I actually think. That's the beauty of it. Uh, this next one, I anyway. want you to recognize what you called the title of this story, because that was more interesting than the actual story to me. <laughs> Am I the one who wrote this on the yes. thing? Okay. Yeah, because I, I was going to tease you about it. Petition to allow bears at BYU. Uh, what you need to do is add a D there. It's about bringing back beards. But I would love it if they'd allow bears at BYU. Yeah. Just right? like, come come down from the hills, my ursine friends, please. Uh, so there's a change.org petition. And these things always just move mountains when yeah. it comes to anything yeah. happening that's church-related, of course. To bring hashtag bring back the beard at BYU, it has five thousand six hundred four for the five thousand five hundred sixty four signatures with a goal of a thousand. The whole point of this, it's nothing you haven't heard before. It's stupid. We don't allow beards at BYU. And but we, but but I will out. say this again, as someone who works there daily, I saw more beards at BYU during uh, the pandemic for those that worked on uh worked on and or attended school and were mm-hmm. on campus at all i mean school on campus didn't really exist but there were student workers on campus because they had the masks several 
and you'll love the ridiculousness of this, had mask beards, which is they would make it look like they didn't have a beard if you had a mask on your face. So it's like an enlarged goatee, but like uh, the side the side of your sideburns and then the throat part of your beard, they would shave it. And so it's just a big burly uh, goatee because they could get away with it because they had to wear masks. They, they do mention this in the change.org thing. I didn't know this. They said a lot of, yeah, students and fac- male to faculty grew beards throughout 20. 20- I didn't know that. Did everyone just say COVID sucks? We're not going to worry about this right now. Is that, yeah. you know, I, I don't know what the deal was. And then the next line is great. It says, beards are clearly prophetic. They were used by righteous men from Adam down through the ages. While Joseph Smith couldn't grow a good beard, most of his leading brethren could and did. Is that why Joseph Smith was clean shaven? Was he just, was he a bad beard grower? Is that, what does Bushman say? Is that, is this I don't know. I'll have to ask him. I'll have to ask him. Anyway, so yeah, sure. We've had beards. We got rid of beards. We could talk all about the, uh, the correlation era and fear of hippies and all the sorts of things that led us to where we are today, but they're hoping by petitioning. Somehow, BYU will say, thank you, change.org. You are the ones who made us realize what we could not realize before. They, they, won't, they won't be going away anytime soon. People yeah. at BYU wear the fact that we don't wear beards as a badge of peculiarity that they just aren't ready to get rid of. That's really what it is. And it, it's, and, and it's I, not that it makes sense. It's not that we believe the way that we did in the 70s. It's not any of that. It's a badge of peculiarity. And of course, like I, I can't be objective about this. I have had a beard for a very long time. Um, when I go back to BYU and walk around on campus, I like I, I hope people will leer at me, but it doesn't really happen. <laughs> I want them to think I'm some some random apostate wandering their halls. But uh, I want to give you this next story, even though it's technically, as we have this laid out, would be my turn uh, because I just don't care about this story that much, I and I know you care <laughs> well, a lot. I don't care a ton about it. It's mostly a mention, just because you know the church, church, you know they announce new temple sites and groundbreaking and stuff, and we like to cover that over on the Twim. Anyway, they announced the location for the Yorba Linda California Temple uh, in the past week or so. Is it a is nice good. place? Nice place? Oh, it's Yorba Linda is known as the land of gracious living, and it's often ranked as one of the best places to live in the country. There are many ex- expensive, multi-million dollar homes and a strong equestrian culture, actually. Yorba Linda was curious b- growing up because, yeah, people like owned horses, and there's always random little horse trails that cut through all over <laughs> the ta- all over the city. Anyway, I, I mostly care because I grew up in that area. That's my old home stick. And so we're excited to get the temple. They're building it where we kind of thought they might. And uh, it's great. Uh, since you don't care about it, I don't want to make you spend no, too much listen, time on it. But if, what does but if Yorba stu- Linda mean? Will you will you translate it and tell me what Yorba Linda means? Yorba is just more like a name. Linda means be- means beautiful, okay, more or less. So beautiful was, Yorba. The area was settled by a man named Bernardo Yorba at one point in time, so they give that name. The real claim to fame is Richard Nixon was born in Yorba Linda. His presidential <laughs> library is in Yorba Linda. He's buried in Yorba Linda. And this temple will be built roughly only a mile and on change his away. grave. That is the, well, I mean, really, you can do the work for the dead in a very real way now uh, once that temple's in place. It's super cool, though. I mean, it's it's weird for me to think that as a non-Uton, right? I mean, like mm-hmm. growing up and like we had to go to L.A. Then they built Newport, which was awesome to have a temple in Newport Beach. But now literally from like my mom's house, it's a five to ten minute drive to where the temple is going to be in York, Belinda, which is that's something I never thought that would actually happen in my day. So good time. Uh, California's ninth temple. Do you know who Nathan Wayne Enterkin is and I believe isn't he a, a Roman gladiator who infiltrated the capital? I love this story. There's so many people that didn't recognize he's clearly Moroni with a title of liberty. We're not uh, doing it, our job as missionaries, apparently. Yeah. No, <laughs> guys, get out there, 
Let's cosplay the missionaries for 2022. Just go as your favorite Book of Mormon or Bible character. Uh, he, he, of course, is uh, the Captain Moroni, who with title of liberty in hand, that video is one of my favorite videos uh, of maybe all time, but certainly of 2021, where he talks, he he tries and he does what every member of the church does, which I, I just love Nathan for this. He gives way too much information in his excitement to tell people about a particular <laughs> part of our faith. And you know what I'm talking about? I'm going to the temple, but it's the temple because we do work for the dead. Because in Corinthians, it talks about doing work for the dead. And we make covenants and we just like we just deluge people with information when really he could just have kept a little more simple. Uh, he is facing, let's see, I forget the charges that uh, they've charged him with knowingly entering or remaining on restricted grounds, as well as violent entry and disorderly conduct at the Capitol. Uh, he's one of more than 500 people who've been in charge with in connection with the riot um, there on January 6th. The- in that case, I maybe they did learn their history because I don't think he did anything particularly violent, but maybe they're like, hey, he's Captain Moroni. He's got this whole thing with the Malakaya. He's kind of mad at Pahoran. We don't know if we can trust this guy. Yeah. He might be a little violent. Mm-hmm. Who's to say? Uh, this one should probably be more you, Richie, because you're at least a Utah voter, but it's interesting. So uh, Mike Lee is the you know one of the senators from Utah, the senior senator from Utah, as we say officially. And Mike Lee has made some interesting choices in the past little while, uh, many could say. And there are many, even in Republican circles, who are not so hot on Mike Lee anymore. And of course, he's a member of our faith. Uh, one such individual is Ali Isom, who if you don't know the I name- I think it's Isom. I think it's Isom. Ali Isom is- <laughs> Uh, if you don't know the name, what does that translated mean? I don't know. It's what's what's Isom. That's got to be Dutch or something. I don't know. But maybe it's no, maybe it's Irish. Either way, uh, if you don't know that name, she was once the spokesperson for the church. It's only a couple of years ago. She hasn't been out of the game for super super long, right? Didn't she go work at the U or something like that afterwards? I don't remember what she was doing, but uh, but she's gonna pr- she's primary and challenging Mike Lee. I don't like expect her to win or anything. I mean, it's hard to knock down an incumbent, even in a general election, let alone knock them down on a primary. Not that it hasn't happened, of course, but sure. uh, mostly just for general interest that uh, she's it's it's fun for me to see church people who are ostensibly apolitical doing the job of the church. But you leave that employee and do something else and then show your political side. And it's not that I did not expect her perhaps to be a like a Romney Republican in Utah, which is like, OK, all right, that's fine. Um, but now she's going to go up against one of her own, her own people. It reminds me of like, um, C Scott grow, who was a member of the 70. He's a member mm-hmm. of the Idaho. He's mm-hmm. a member of the Idaho state assembly. Uh, it's just a similar thing. Like, you know, people move on from their various church callings or employ, and they do have political beliefs. And sometimes that can make you see them differently. I don't know much about Ali's platform or what she's going after. I think she's going, I think she's going after the Mike Lee has lost his mind angle and put me in there and I will not lose my mind. I will just be good friends with Mitt Romney. Well, the thing that I think is most fascinating about that is because Utah uh, um, leans so heavily Republican and the way that they're trying to change voting laws in the state of Utah. um, I think that you'll see, I think you'll see a tremendous amount of people whom are Democrats register as Republicans so they can vote within the Republican. I mean, we saw some of that with uh, the last election, but you can kind of flip flop back and forth and be part of one party and then part of another. But I think that you'll see at least in some number uh, the amount of Republicans 
uh, or I'm sorry, Democrats in the state of Utah register as Republicans so they can vote in the actual election that matters, the primary. And I think that she'll do better than than maybe you think or whoever ends up being sort of the front runner competitor to Mike Lee. Uh, coming with this next election next year, I think that that person will do better because there is sort of that consensus of, all right, Mike Lee, I'm not sure what happened, but it happened. But did, didn't Utah change? I mean, you had open primaries though until they changed their laws just this last year, right? So do uh, you no, think, I don't think so. Do you think they'll go to the trouble to register as Republicans just so they? Can no, do- I don't think it was open primaries. But now they're saying you have to. Well, oh, I know what the law is. You have to register far enough in advance. Wasn't yeah, that that's the, the change. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, so, sorry, sorry. So now you'll have to do it and, and stay there. Uh, another story worth a mention. You know the Property Brothers. There's a, an article that came out this yes. week. Are they LDS? They look yes. like they'd be LDS. Well, they spoke at an LDS conference. Are they? No, that's the article. They spoke at an LDS conference? Yeah, they stoke, spoke at Roots Tech a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Not like the LDS conference, yeah, okay. an like... LDS conference. <laughs> I was like, was it the true LDS conference? Were they yeah, there? That's, that yes. You guys... Oh, bless them. Other This this whole article can mention, be like a whole show in and of itself. We kind of buried this one in the bottom. But the New York Times covered garments for women. I don't know why they just chose to go after this. Um, because the piece is pretty much fair. I don't think it's the New York Times trying to go after like the, like the, you know, the patriarchy angle or anything like that. Some of the comments, sure. And some of the people they interviewed, sure. But basically, they talk about sacred underclothes and how many women you know, are frustrated by them being itchy, constrictive. How one of them wants, quote, buttery, soft fabric, mm-hmm. which I think does exist in some cases. I mean, obviously, I'm a man. The G's, the cuts are different. They can fit a little bit different for me. Sure. But like My wife's never had any major complaints. I mean, she's spent time and years, I think, finding what works best for her. And I think a lot of garments, and once again, not I understand. I don't understand everything facing women, but... I, I think a lot of it also has to do with like, it's like your body type, your skin type, the environment you live in, the weather, lots of things can contribute to whether you're comfortable or not in garments, which are, are not designed, especially for women, I think, to be as as pleasant feeling as it might be to wear something, quote unquote, worldly per se. Right. But, but it is an interesting article. I mean, just to get the breakdown of interviewing these various Latter-day Saint women, and they talk about even you know some of the history of garments, how they've changed over time and this and that. Um I was surprised to see the Times cover. It had a lot of comments, like 9,000 comments. And of course, many of them, many of them were like, well, what do you expect? It's about control. The men are trying to make you uncomfortable so that you feel like you're being controlled. And I'm like, I've also worn garments that are uncomfortable and I'm a man. I mean, that's not, the market's not cornered on that front, but it was worth the read. The the reason why I tucked it, and I'm glad you brought it up in the way you did. It's a big story. We don't need two dudes talking about (laughs) garments for women. We plan in a future episode of the Cultural Hall to talk about garments specifically and this article. So I just felt like, yes, worth mentioning, but, but I I don't know that I have too much to add because I don't know what that experience is like for women. Uh, This Tyler Glenn, Neon Trees, that's the band. Uh, His family, they fly a rainbow flag. They live here in the state of Utah. They stole, that is they being some horrible person who can't let people be able to express themselves in the way they would like to, a rainbow flag from their uh, front yard, from the, uh, the Glenn family front yard pride flag. Messed up. And it, and it happens a ton here, and I don't understand it. I, I don't I, know either. That's why I, I can't move to Utah. What's wrong well, with you people? I, I just I don't get why anyone would ever think because there have been uh, I had a friend who the rainbow flag was taken from the like the flagpole and they burned it on the porch. Oh. So so oh. it's just a poor taste, and I understand, and and I'm not saying 
that everyone has to agree, agree with it. I'm not saying you have to put out your own rainbow flag, but I, 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 as a, as a human being, as a good earth citizen would never understand why I would walk on someone's property and say, I'm just going to go ahead and take this because I disagree with it and either burn it, get rid of it, or make it so that person can't be able to express themselves. That kind of thinking, I just don't understand. No, me neither. I don't get it at all. I mean, there's always a risk when I think any group forms some sort of cultural homogeneity, right? Like if you've, <laughs> you've got a... It's just, so fr- it's, just fr- it's so frustrating. Like, why? Why, 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 why? Why do you care? Like, what, you think your kids are going to see a rainbow flag and all of a sudden they're going to be like, oh, mom. I have the church, these the feelings. Church, no, it's not the how The church works. is false and I hate everything you stand for. <clears throat> it's just, no, folks, just let people just like live their lives and do their thing and love them and just love them and care for them, no matter their persuasion. Whether they are of the church, against the church, were once in the church, are just Catholics and don't care at all. I mean, who cares? Just love you. <laughs> I'm uh, serious though. Like, you I'm, know how it is in Utah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a thing in Utah. It had to be called out in the last general conference, straight up saying they hear about, about members of the church, not letting their kids play with non-member kids in their yeah, neighborhood. Like it's, it's absurd. That it's is just, just appalling to me. Right. And I, it's very much a, it's very much a Utah thing. Cause there's a dominant culture there. I'm like, I didn't deal with that growing up. Like, yeah, I had Mormon friends and I just also just played with my friends and we weren't all obsessed with like what our religious persuasion was. I think some of that's funny in hindsight. Cause when I was a kid, I didn't even realize like I was hanging out with Muslim friends and mm-hmm. other Christian friends or non whatever. You don't even realize these things when you're a kid, they're just your friends. You yeah. don't care about any of that. So just bring that to the people. Anyway. Um, for some reason, you gave me this one, but a shooting survivor, Desiree Turner, who was shot in the head four years ago by um, her classmates, which was very nice, and that left her disabled, is serving a, a service mission for the church. And she's donating flowers and making bouquets and donating them to hospice care and nursing homes. I remember we nice. both did this story, tragic story. Uh, the These, at the time, obviously, friends shot her. And because the flowers were such a significant part of yeah. her recovery... They incorporated it into her service mission. It's just a beautiful story um, of hope. That's why I kind of wanted to make sure that got in here. I like it. Thank you. Uh, European temple facts. Are you ready? Yes, I like Europe. I've been to Europe. I'm, a, I'm into Europe. I like Europe. Tell and me you about like, Europe. And you like facts. I've been, I used to live in, I've, li- I've lived in Europe, Richie. You know, you like to drop. I've, I've lived there. Yes. Yes. I need you to stall for two more seconds while I find well, let me tell I you about how, Folks, I've lived in uh-huh. Europe on three occasions. There it I is. I got a, it. Here I go. served a mission in Spain. I went to grad school in Scotland, and I spent a summer living in Ukraine doing work on democratization. Okay, continue. All right, here we go. The first temple in Norway, fourth in Scandinavia after Stockholm, Sweden, Copenhagen, Denmark, or Copenhagen, I understand, and Helsinki, Finland. Ah! Finland's, uh, Nor- not Scandin- Finland's not part of Scandinavia. The- Let's talk about geopolitics. Scandinavian implies a Germanic heritage and a shared language. All right. So Norway, Sweden, Denmark, or Scandinavia, maybe Iceland. Finland is a Nordic country, but the language they speak is Uralic. It's not, they're not, they're, they're not Scandinavian. I'm going to give I you mean, David Schneider's email. He's the one who wrote this for LDS Living. David Schneider, you're a joke. Norway is a home to 4,500 church members in two stakes and 20 congregations. Oh, that's the cool. stakes are based in Oslo and Drammen. Uh, Oslo, the country's capital, has a population of 600,000 and more than a million people in its metropolitan <laughs> area. random factoids. It's like you yeah. can do this for anywhere you're building a temple. Yeah. Also? 
the city. Also, they, they, they like pickled herring. And uh, the first also... missionaries. This is interesting. The first missionaries arrived in Norway in 1851. The first two congregations were organized in July 1852. And until 1950, members and missionaries in Norway used the Danish translation of the Book of Mormon. In 1988, the church officially registered with the Norwegian government. Took us that long, huh? That's surprising, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. See? Interesting European facts. Well, you only did Norway. You haven't even touched upon Belgium and, and Austria. Uh-huh. I think I forgot to print the rest. <laughs> I think that's because the original article from LDS Living only, it's a teaser. It just gives you the, the Norway stuff, and then it does, you have to click in to the, the church news. I didn't want it. I didn't want to be teased. I don't know. There's the furthest temple in Belgium. There's 6,000 members in Belgium. It's just random factoids. It's it's cool. Don't it's knock great. David Schneider until you've tried him. I am psyched that they're doing a temple in Vienna, considering they also announced one in Budapest. I thought those would be too close together to have, each have a temple, but what do I know? They did them on the far sides of those respective cities. They're like literally an hour apart by train. It's Well, an hour and change. Anyway, if they do a temple in Bratislava someday, that's going <laughs> to... Am I right? Yeah. Who's with him? Am I right or am I right or am I right? All right. I'm right. Right, 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 right. And for some reason, you've given me a Chad Daybell story. I don't know why. I think you're waiting. Oh, no. Arsonist in court. That's the one I gave you. Wait, wait, wait. Where am I? Oh, the I Cape Girard No, the link is to the shooting survivor. Oh, darn it. Well, Cape Girard I know that. I know that is in Missouri. Yep. And he's and it was in also, court. He's it was in also court. the location of the book Gone Girl. And uh, he's in court. Yep. It's it's so, moving through. The guy who burned the chapel in Missouri, it's going to court. That's it. Oh, These that are guy. just mentions. Just mentions. Okay. Chad Daybell uh, is not going to be charged in Lori's fourth husband's death. If you're The Daybells are psychos from Idaho, if you're not familiar with the whole Daybell thing. Sorry, 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 Richie. Allegedly psychos. Yeah, the Twim Sisters love uh, the, the stories sisters of love the, Daybells. the Daybell story. Yeah. They are. They eat every bit of that up. So that was sort of a nod to them. Uh, the Nevada shooter, you remember this a couple of years ago? Uh, LDS Chapel in yeah, yeah, yeah. southern-ish Nevada uh, went in. He has been ruled uh, incompetent to be able to stand trial. Uh, he went into the church. I don't think anyone died, but he did uh, shoot several people, several shots fired within that church. Um, he has been ruled, as I say, uh, incompetent. Not going to be standing trial. There we go. I thought that was just a quick follow-up. Uh, also, from what you should hope is satire, so uh, Shakari Richardson, of course, was dropped from the Olympic team for the marijuana. And uh, the Victory News Network put out a meme that said she was being replaced specifically by a Mormon athlete because they wanted to help inspire a, you know, just say no kind of campaign on drugs. Uh, Snopes, of course realize this was this is satire people it was just it was satire it's a genuine photo of an athlete but it's just a doctored image to make it look like it's a thing anyway that's not real so if you were sitting there hoping that we were putting mormons in the olympics just for anti-drug campaigns you are going to be just very disappointed well it was one of these stories where like everyone thought it was as it was satire and kind of coming out, we've heard the story before, though, uh, anecdotally, where people have said, like, you know, uh, because of the clean living that that individual had, they were standing ready to be able to step in and to do this thing. And so that was the satire. Yeah. A lot of people got caught up in it thinking that it was a real story and then sort of ended up with egg on their face going, oh, oh, shoot. It's it's people it's are... it's not uh, to wrapping quote, this up. To quote Bill Murray and Brownhog Day. People Groundhog like Day? Sausage, <laughs> Groundhog Day. People like blood sausages. People are idiots. 
<laughs> you crowned you quoted Groundhog Day just a minute ago too. Am I right? Or am I right? Right, right, right. Well, I mean, right. Ned Ryerson's just too easy. You can, yeah. That's just part of my life. Uh, the BYU football team. They're tapping President Nelson not to play in the game, which is what I thought maybe this headline would mean. Um, but they have a quote uh, that essentially like how Notre Dame, they have the sort of quote uh, before they run the tunnel and yeah, uh, head yeah. out on the field. It's um, from President Nelson that says the Lord loves effort because effort brings rewards that can't come without it. And that's what's motivating the football team this year. Again, work, work, not work. a big story. Just mentions. Also, also there's a gospel for kids app now because okay I, that's good it's a gospel for kids app i think this is good you got scripture stories from the book of mormon is this because the church realized a bunch of private individuals were making much better content online than you would get from the come follow me manual I yes mean, that has to be the case I mean, i'm a big supporter of the latter-day kids website for example if you haven't been there folks great solid content on that place that can help your kids with uh, with their various come follow me lessons so this is an app and you can Get it. It's just more child-friendly than Gospel Library and all that good stuff. Colorful things, beautiful iconography, favicons galore. Who doesn't love what they're doing here? I haven't used this yet. I probably should. Cause you should. You've got the kids. I don't have the little kids. Yeah, I've got the kids. I wonder if they... Is it available for a the Kindle Fire? Because this is one of these dumb things where they only developed it for iOS or PadOS. No, like, they've got to do it for everyone. It's got to the be there for everyone. They, you would think that, but sometimes they still... It's available for iOS and Android. In there English. you go. Well, there that's you iOS go. and Android. If you're using, I'd have to sideload the App Store for yada you can, yada yada. You it, can catch Jeff in a YouTube video where he explains what he's talking about later at sideloading is okay. Uh, and then final story, you waited all the way to the end to get something like this. There's nobody here. It's gonna the metrics for this episode are gonna yeah, be great. Yeah, gone. They're nobody's out. Heard the, nobody's heard the past 40 minutes of discussion. How will they know about the town of Folsom at the bottom of Folsom Lake, settled by prospectors in the 1840s? By 1853, it had a population of more than 2,500 people. Then it was covered by a reservoir, and now because the West is so dry. You can see the foundations of some of these old buildings. It's like being a treasure hunter in the bottom of a lake because of the drought. But why do the ruins, why do these ruins matter in particular to Latter-day Saints, Richie? Because the people who founded the town of Folsom, they were members of, well, back then the Mormon church, but we today would say the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Oh my goodness. So that's like their house. Yeah, it's a pioneer house. Well, that's exciting. We should take a trek. You and I will dress up like pioneers and we'll just do the base of Folsom. And we'll take a boat out there and just stand stand there. And then it'll be like that movie Pirates of the Great Salt Lake, which is a bizarre film. Have you seen that? Of course. I don't know if anyone has. Like you have to dig around and realize Kirby Hayborn made Pirates of the Great Salt Lake. And I think 10 people have seen it. It's a a random little film. I don't know how that was a thing. That's how I know we would be best friends. Jeff, it's, it's way past your bedtime. Well, you know, it's it's later here, but it's fine. I mean, with with that sweater, you got to go get yourself some Grammys, some graham crackers. I've and- got some chamomile tea waiting oh. for me. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm smoking like Cliff, like, like, like Cliff Clavin now. I got cheers. Like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How's it going, Naomi? Um, how did this go? Did we do all right? Did you like it? You like this thing? Richie, I, I, I feel closer to everything good and true in this world. Yes. 
Just so got, you know, we I titled this episode when we got on to record it. It's the Jeff Ritchie battle to the death, but we're both uh, still standing. So yes. neither of us is shiz, apparently, yeah. everybody. No, are, my head and my arms up in the air as they shake yeah, to the ground. That's how I know we would be good friends. We both get the just insane, stupid references to one another. Our love of state capitals. And now this, episode 540 of both This Week in Mormons and of the Cultural Hall in the books. Well, tell us what you thought, folks. Contact at thisweekinmormons.com. You can get in touch with me. And or contact is... at theculturalhall.com. That is the one thing I will admittedly say that I stole from you. There I think I had mail or something like that originally. And I was like, nah, contact sounds better. So I don't know how we do the sign off. So I'll just say thanks, everybody. It's been real. Yeah, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. Oh, You're not thing. healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next oh, week. Brother. And then when the time comes, you'll be able oh, to travel gosh. home in safety. This is the worst In the meantime, deal. now wait, because I, I got to give name so sponsors here. In the meantime, Brother Brent, Debbie Wanless, BigMikesProducts.com, and Cake Chocolate go. Cake Spite Podcast. We'll be saving I'm... a seat for you on the back row of the cultural hall. Be well, be holy, be happy. Swim in it. Swim is out. Bye-bye.